before everyone else, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28. So thank you, Mike, and everyone just was great uh, this morning. And so we are beginning a new series this morning in which we're looking at our great commandment, our driving commandment, our mission statement as a church. And uh, so we're going to be walking through the Great Commission for the next four weeks in which we're going to be seeing different aspects about it. And as we begin this morning, I want to read it to you again, and then I'm going to uh, direct us to a different passage. And so let's read uh, the Great Commandment together. It's not going to be on the screen, so if you have it in your Bible or your phone or whatever, turn there, Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16. It says, the eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. And Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, come before you and we, um, we pray as we open up your word this morning that you would open our eyes, open our hearts to hear what you want to say to us through the work of the Spirit. And so we pray that you would capture our hearts with the call to not waste our lives, but to spend it in going and making disciples to be people who live out Christ's mission here on earth. And so I pray that you would do that and help us to be able to put feet to that, tangible ways to be able to live that out um, just in our lives. And so we um, ask for your help. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there... Uh, for, for me, there's something that's always in my mind, at the back of my mind. It's pretty, con- pretty constant, actually, uh, fairly recently. And that is, I'm always thinking about death. And this, that sounds morbid, um, and that's because it is morbid. Um, but I, I'm, I, I always have it in the back of my mind, and I think it's because I have, uh, I've, I've, I'm, I'm now 30, okay? And... <laughs> I've lived a third of my life, and I got, at most, I've got 60 years left, 65 years left, something like that, and I'm like, that's not a lot of time. Like, I can remember the year 2000. That was 20 years ago, and like, I remember, like, I was, I was in school, and I'm like, I remember sitting up, and we're watching the Y2K stuff, and I'm like, that's 20 years. It's gone. Like, that's crazy fast, and so I think about it a lot of, like, life is a vapor, and I am like, Des Bryant and I are the same, we graduated high school the same year, and he's considered a dinosaur in the NFL. Like, my pro career is never going to happen. And so, uh, when we're looking at the, this text, Matt, I was listening to a sermon by a guy named Matt Carter, and he was, he was talking about the Great Commission, and, and he, was, he was pointing this out of our lives our moment. You and I have a brief window in time to make any impact for Christ in the world. And so if you think about this, in 100 years from today, there are 7 billion, 8 billion people in the world. 
100 years from today is going to be completely new people. You and I have a brief window in the history to be able to make any kind of an impact, to do anything in the world. And so here is the point of what I want you to grasp today is that I don't want to waste my life and I don't want you to waste your life. Because we only get a small window in time. And what Jesus says here, here is our driving commandment as a church, as Christians in community with one another. Here is our driving commandment. Here is how you don't waste your life. Here's what he says in verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and then teach them to observe everything I've commanded And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at different aspects of this because I want us as a church to get behind or or, or to to continue pressing on and living out this mission. And today we're going to talk about not wasting your life. Next week is going to be evangelism, and the two weeks after that are going to be about discipleship. And, uh, And so this is something I think is going to be really good for our church. And so and so for not wasting your life and looking at the call to, be, to, to live out the great commandment, Jesus tells a story that I want us to look at in Matthew chapter 25. And so if you have your Bibles, turn it back a couple chapters to Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. And this is where we're going to park for the rest of this morning, because he tells us this amazing story that just depicts living out the great commission so perfectly for us. And so here's the context of what's happening here in Matthew chapter 25. So he has four parables in a row. Four parables. And in the end of chapter 24, he, he, says, he says, expect me to come back. That's what the first one's about. Expect me to return. The next one after that is the parable of the ten virgins. And it says, make necessary preparations for his return. That's what he says. And the one today, what we're going to look at, it says, invest your life in his mission now. And then the parable after this says, and everyone who does that will be separated out and will attain eternal life with him. And so in this third parable, I want you to see, it's the parable of the talents starting in verse 14. Let's read it, the first couple of verses together. It says, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey. And he called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each or depending on each one's ability. And then he went on a journey. So there's this wealthy businessman. He's pretty rich, as we're going to see in this parable. This is a really wealthy dude, and he knows how to run businesses. And so he's about to go on a journey. I don't know where he's going. Uh, Maybe he's got his yacht, and he's trying to escape the world because of the coronavirus. And so he's hopping on his yacht, and he's like, listen, guys, I'm leaving, and three of you come here. I'm going to give you each some money, some capital. And what I want you to do is I want you to go make me some more money. He gives them a mission. And so to one guy, he gives five talents. And now a talent, it's, it's, it's not a money in amount, it's a weight. And so they would have weighed it in gold or silver or copper, some kind of metal. Um, so for this morning, let's just pretend a talent is $100,000. I don't know. That's, that's what we're going to go with, okay? So one guy, he gives $500,000 to, five talents. The second guy 
He gives two talents to, $200,000. And the third guy, he gives $100,000, one talent. He entrusts this to them, and then he leaves. He's given them a mission. And here, Jesus is beginning this parable, and he's saying, listen, this is what's happening. This is a story about the kingdom that I am bringing on earth. I am going to leave. I'm entrusting you with gifts, with talents, with capital, and I want you to do, I want you to do something with it. I want you to do something with it. But here's something interesting about this, is that he entrusted his possessions to these guys he leaves the initiative on what to do with it up to them. He doesn't go to them and say, hey, listen, listen, I got some stock ideas. If you want to do an index fund, that's fine. Go to, you, can, you can invest, put it on in Vanguard. You might get 12% back, 10% back, 8% back. I don't know. You can, you can go in that, or, or if you want, I've got a great idea, restaurant, Golden Corral. You can invest in this thing, unlimited stakes, and so, like he, like, he doesn't give them all of these ideas for what to do with the money. He leaves the initiative up to these guys to just figure it out. But you notice, not everyone got the same amount. Not everyone got the same thing. One guy got five, one guy got two, and one guy got one. Why? What was the reason? It was depending on each one's ability. Their gifts were given according to what the master thought they could handle at the time. And now there's a principle in this for us that Jesus is teaching, and that's this, is that for his mission, he has given each one of us different gifts, different skills, different talents, different testimonies, different resources, different opportunities to be used in building his kingdom and furthering his mission in this world. He has given that to us. But here's the rub, is that not everyone gets the same thing. Not everyone is a Brent Lightsey. Not everyone is a Paul Wynn. Not everyone is a Doug Cole or a Karen Cole, premier church member. She's amazing. Karen Cole. Not, not everyone is a J.T. Aldrich or like like, everyone is given different skills, different abilities. And so you may look around and you're like, man, I, I just, like, I'm not used in God's kingdom in the way that other people are. I can't play guitar like Mike Dye or like Nick Garrett. Like, I can't sing. I can't even sing. So, like, God's using them in a way bigger way than he's using me. Or, or God's using these guys to give way more money to, to his mission than I am because I don't even have $10 in my bank account. But God gives these different people different levels of skills, abilities, talents. He gives different people different things. And so if you look at your life and you're like, man, I'm not where I want to be and what I can contribute to God's kingdom, that may be true. You may not have what someone else might have. That's okay. What does God call you to do? Be faithful with what you've been given. That's what he's given each one of these guys. Each one's given a different amount, five, two, and one. And what is each one of them called to do? Be faithful with what you've been given. Prove that you can handle what he's given you in furthering his kingdom in this world. That's what he's saying. Now, I want to tell you about something. 
some ants. So uh, back in Angleton, we had, man, uh, this yard here, it's not that bad. But in Angleton, uh, we had so many ants in our backyard, it was insane. And, uh, and so I was constantly shoveling out ant killer in these backyards. But the, I started looking into them one day, and I found a kid's, uh, a kid's uh, website that explained something about ants. And I thought it was really fascinating, so I kept it. And I want to tell you about them now, okay? So ants are fascinating. They always put their families first, the whole mound. And so each colony is a close-knit family, usually including a mother, the queen, her adult daughters, the workers, and the brood, which are the, the, the eggs, the larvae, the little baby ones. And so interestingly, the men aren't included. That's because men, men are used for mating, and then they die. That's just how. And so but for the women, like if you look at an, a mound of ants, they're all girls. It's a big sorority. And, uh, and, and so the, the queen, the queen is crucial. She is important to the entire colony. And so you may look and you're like, man, she has got the title. She's got the, she's the most important one. If the queen dies, then, then the whole colony dies. Like, like, and so you're like, man, I, like, she's got the cool thing. I wish I had that talent. I wish I had that ability. But then you get into that role and you're like, what's the job description? Give birth a million times. Never mind. I'm out. I'll be the worker. And so, but here, let me tell you, the ant colony is like a factory. The nestmates work together to convert resources into products, more ants. This process is made more efficient through division of labor, where different individuals specialize in different jobs. The queen has the very specific role of laying eggs, and she spends most of her life doing that. Not a fun job. The worker ants, they perform other duties, often depending on their age. The younger ones work inside the nest and take care of the queen and all the little baby eggs. The older girls go outside and gather food and defend the nest against all the enemies. So depending on her size, uh, or listen, despite her size and her royal title, the queen doesn't boss the workers around. I want you to catch this. Instead, workers decide which tasks to perform based on personal preference, interactions with other ants, and cues from the environment. That is fascinating to me, to where you have this entire colony, each working for the good, each having their different role, but what an individual ant does is their own initiative. They're given this role, and they say, go figure it out. Go do it. And here, Jesus in this parable is saying, I have given you skills. I have given you abilities. I have given you resources. I've given you jobs. Now use them. How? Figure it out. Use your initiative and go engage in my mission. And so that's the call. Go Go and take initiative. Find a place to serve. Find a place to further Jesus' kingdom by sharing the gospel. Find someone to tell it to. Use your initiative to figure it out. Go do it. That's what Jesus says here in the parable. Go do it. And then this guy who left his 
resources with these different guys. What did he do? He went away on his journey. And so what did they do with it? Look at verse 16. Immediately, the man who had received five talents went and put them to work. And what did he do? He earned five more. In the same way, the man with two talents earned two more. They went and they took their $500,000 and their $200,000 and they earned 100% on that. They earned 100% back. That's an amazing return. Like, we're pumped if you put your money in an index fund and you earn 10% back. We're like, oh, it was an amazing year. Yes, I earned it back. I beat inflation. But this guy, he went and he earned 100% return on his money. That's incredible. And for these guys, when they're given the ability to speak the Word of God into people's lives, to play music, money to be generous with, the ability to drive people around to go get groceries who don't have the ability to do that anymore. They've been given these resources, and what did they do? They went and used it and earned a return on it for Jesus' glory. That's what they did. They used what they were given. They invested them in Jesus' kingdom, and they earned 100% return on what they were given. And I want you to see what happens. Because, one, they proved they could handle what they were given. They proved their character, their motivation, their work ethic. They proved that they could be trusted with what God gave them because they went out and invested it and earned a return towards Jesus' kingdom. They proved they were trustworthy servants. So skip ahead. Look at verse 19 with me. Because they've got an earnings report. They've got a conference call coming up. The guy comes back and he's like, hey, listen, what'd you do? Verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And the man who'd received five talents approached and presented five more talents. And his master said this, or he said, Master, you gave me five talents, $500,000. See, I have earned five more. And look what his master says. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over few things. He's a very wealthy guy. That's not very much money to him. You were faithful over few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. He says, look, you took what I gave you. You invested it well. You took, like you, were, you took what you are given, and you did stuff with it. So come I want to celebrate with you. Likewise, verse 22, the man who had two talents also approached the master. And he said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more. And look what his master said. It is the exact same thing. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things, so I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. So come, man. I want to celebrate with you because of what you did with what you invested. Now, there's a principle here that I want you to catch. 
is that both of these guys, the guy who was given five talents and the guy who was given two talents, both got the exact same response from the master. Both guys got the exact same verbatim response. Every one of us have been given different jobs, abilities, resources, energy levels, skills, talents, and both of these guys earned 100% return on them. So regardless of whether you earned a million dollars back or $100,000 back or $10 back, each one received the same joyous reaction in that you invested and you earned a return for me, and now I want to celebrate with you. And this is encouraging for me. Because if I look in the world, in Christendom, and I see these big-name people who are doing a lot of big-name stuff, big-name, like, Matt Chandler guys, where he's all, like, super well-known speaker, or you got guys like Chris Tomlin who write tons and tons of songs with passion, and they release them, and every church in the country sings their songs, and you think, wow, that guy's doing a lot. Those guys are like the big talent guys, and they're the ones who earn a ton of money. Or you think of church history, Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers. And you're like, man, I can never live up to that guy. Or Mother Teresa. And you're like, man, I'm not that. Like, I can never give my life away in that manner. And so those are the giant talent-getting Christians who do all this amazing stuff. They're the ones God's really going to celebrate. But here is the encouraging note is that the master gave the exact same response to the guy who had the five talents as he did to the guy who has two talents. And that is deeply encouraging for me. Why? Because the people who are normal Christians, who invest their lives, who don't have a big name, but instead invest their lives in changing diapers and holding babies in the nursery for 30 years so that young parents can come and listen to the Word of God and not have to worry about their kids. The person who does that, God looks at them and says, you did it. You invested your life, and you have earned a return. Think of how many people have were engaged in my Word because of what you did in serving on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. And that person gets the same joyous response as Charles Spurgeon or as Matt Chandler or as John Calvin or as any of these, as Paul. That person gets the same joyous response from God as the Apostle Paul does. And that is deeply encouraging and motivating to continue to serve. Because here's the reality, is that if you don't feel like the best, if you're not a pastor, or if you're not the best teacher in White Settlement ISD, or if you're not the highest earner in your company, or if you're not like the, the, like the premier teacher, like you're like, man, I could never plan a mission trip like Brent, or I could never do this kind of stuff, but you are engaged in continuing Jesus' mission in the sphere that you are given with the skills and the resources and the talents that you've been given then God sees. God sees and he celebrates your return all the same as everyone else. And so if you've been contributing on Wednesday nights with the four-year-olds and every Wednesday night it comes up and you're tired from work and you don't feel very skilled to work with four-year-olds and you're like, man, this is really tough for me 
in many ways and I, it's you're like, I do not want to be here, but you are faithful and continuing to do it because you feel like this is a place for me to serve because there was a need and I breathed and so therefore I could fill it. And I passed the background check. By continuing your faithful service, God sees that and he celebrates that because you are investing in his kingdom and you are earning a return. Leon Morris, who was a, a theologian, said this, and this might sound kind of like a bad, uh, uh, a bad sales boss, you know, in which like you're like a car dealer or you're selling something and, uh, or you're trying to earn referrals to your company. And, and you said, your, your boss says, okay, your quota this month is 20. And you bust your back trying to get 20, and you, you reach it that month. And you're like, yes, I've got 20 referrals this month. And then your boss comes in and is like, okay, you did it. All right, it's February now. We need 25. You're like, you, you hear that, and you're like, you just, it's, it's drowning. Like, you just can never live up to, like, this amount. Like, I don't want you to get this picture when you hear this because I, I, it's, a, it's a beautiful picture of what God wants to do Within us, listen to this quote. It says, The faithful servant will be rewarded with a position that will give him more scope for the use of the abilities that he has shown he possesses, or she. Jesus teaches that the reward for good work is the opportunity for doing further work. The faithful servant will be rewarded with a position that will give him or her more scope for the use of their abilities that they have shown they possess. Jesus teaches that the reward for good work is the opportunity to do more work. Now that might sound like a bad boss, right? But catch this. What this says is that because you are faithful with what God gave you, he will give you more scope to use it. He will give you more development, more scope to use what he has given you to invest for his kingdom. And that is encouraging. But there's someone else I want you to see. Go back to verse 18. Because there's another dude here, not a great guy, but another dude. Verse 18. But the man who had received one talent went off, and he dug a hole in the ground, and what did he do? He hid his master's money, and then he went off and did his own thing. Skip ahead to verse 24. It says, the man who had received one talent also approached, and he said, Master, I know you. I know you're a harsh man reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where, the weather, where you haven't scattered seed. What he means by that is that you're an investor. You're putting money into companies, earning percentages back on, their, on, their, on what they make, but you're not the one doing the physical labor. Someone's opening a chicken express. You uh, gave him capital so he could open it, but you're not the one there working every day. You're just earning money because you gave him a little bit of money at the beginning. And what he's saying is you're a businessman. And so I was afraid, and I went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what's yours. Have what's yours. And what he just said is that in the end, I want everything to even out. 
I want everything, the scales to be even to where if I don't invest anything, I'm not going to lose anything. And then I just, if, if everything equals out in the end, then I'm going to be good with God and I can just do my own thing and, and, and not be liable for losing anything. So what he did was nothing. And this is the attitude of, I don't need anything. God and I are good. In the end, if everything evens out, then it'll all be okay, and we're good. And so here, 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 here God, here's, the, here's what you gave me. Here's the money you gave me. You can have it all back. And he thought that the preservation of this talent, the preservation of this, was something he should receive credit for, but it was his motivation behind it was actually the thing that he was blamed for. He didn't realize that whatever you've been given, the talent you've been given, is something you have to use. And if you don't use it, that's a problem. And so look what his master said in verse 26. His master replied to him and said, You evil, lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, if you really think that that is who I am and what I'm like, then you should have at least given it to the bank and put it in a savings account to where I could earn at least half a percent on it. But as it is, you simply dug it, dug a hole, put it in the ground, and left it. So verse 28, so take this talent from him. He's talking to some other people now. Take this talent from this guy and give it to the one who has 10. Why? Because this guy who dug a hole in the ground and stuck his talent there proved he has no intention of ever using it. But instead, give it to the one who proved that he'll use it. And then here is Jesus' principle at the end, his point. For everyone who has, verse 29, for everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. So raise your hand if here, raise your hand real quick, if at one point in your life, you knew how to read sheet music. From, from high school band, junior high band. Now lower your hand if you can no longer read sheet music. Okay, so most of us who could at one point read sheet music no longer can read sheet music. So, okay, I'm not going to brag, but in sixth grade, I was a really, really good trombone player, okay? I was awesome. I could tell you what the cleft things mean, and like I could tell you what key the number signs on the thingies. I could tell you what key the thing was in, <laughs> and I was really good. Okay, I was I, I was first chair. Not to again, not to brag, but you know what's happened in the 20, 20 years since twenty third twenty nine nineteen years. I don't know sixth grade. I don't know how how old are you in sixth grade? Twelve. I don't know, whatever. 28 years ago? 20, what's happened in the 28 years since? No, that would be two. <laughs> 18. 18. What happened in the 18 years ago since, okay? 
Since sixth grade, you want to know how many times I've read sheet music? This many. This many times is how many times I've read sheet music since sixth grade. Now, why do I tell you that? Because what happens now if I look at sheet music? I call the number sign thingies number sign thingies. I don't know. I couldn't tell you at all what key something's in. Like, like if I'm playing guitar, I don't read sheet music. I just, I, I just know, like, if this says a G, I'll put my fingers here and play a G. And, like, if I'm supposed to change keys, I just move the capo until it sounds right. Like, I don't know the key thing, right? I can't read sheet music. Why? Because I didn't use the skill that I was given. I didn't use it. Did you know that I, you, I don't know why you would know this. In college, I took 14 hours of Spanish. I had to for my, I had a liberal arts degree. Uh, I was one class away from getting a minor in Spanish or two, one or two. You know how much Spanish I can speak to you? Pretty much none, okay? So, like, I've got my, like, usual phrases that, like, if, I'm, if we're in Mexico, I can say, like, you know, just like a tiny, like, like, I cannot speak Spanish. I took a lot of hours of it, but I cannot speak a word of Spanish to you. Why? Because I don't use it. I never used it. And so I was given this skill. I worked on this skill, attaining this thing, but because I never used it, I lost it. And what Jesus is saying here is that if you have been given skills, talents, resources, opportunities, money for use in investing in his kingdom, and if you don't use it, what's going to happen? You're going to lose your scope, lose your opportunity, lose your, your, your opportunity to use those skills in his kingdom. And so that's what this man thought. He thought, if I do nothing, everything will remain equal or the same. He'll get his, God will get his stuff back, then everything will be even. But the reality is that if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. You're going to have less scope to be able to use it in his kingdom. But the opposite is true as well, by contrast. Anyone who has a talent, a skill, a gift, and uses it to the full finds that his scope and his development of that, their scope, their development of that, grows. So if you begin to be a small group leader, and you're like really unsure about it, and your first couple times of leading that small group just is not going well, but you stick with it faithfully, and after three years you look back, guess what you're going to be after three years? pretty decent small group leader. Why? Because you invested. You invested. And so the more you invest, the more you contribute, the more you give your life away for Jesus's kingdom, the more you're going to grow in your ability and in your scope to invest. Now verse 30. Because i got to read this to you. It's a harsh, harsh verse, but it's the last one here. Look what Jesus, so look what, look what the, the master says to this servant who did nothing. And throw this good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This guy who did nothing with his talent, what happened to him? He is sent to hell. Why? 
because he proved by his inaction that he wasn't a true servant to begin with. He thought that everything would even out in the end, but the truth is that doesn't work. If you don't invest in Christ's kingdom, you're not in Christ's kingdom. And so this, what you see here, is the final result of a person who's given talents, skills, abilities, gifts, opportunities to invest and steadfastly refused to do it. And so here is the call for you and me. Don't waste your life. Invest instead in Jesus' mission today to go and to make disciples. Don't waste your life. Now, this is going to be very fast, but I want to give you three ways to do this. It's going to be very fast, I promise. Number one, share the gospel and share your testimony. What is the gospel? God created everything good. Man rebelled against God and brought judgment upon himself. So, so God sent his son Jesus to be a, the atoning sacrifice in our place so that everyone who confesses and believes in him will gain eternal life. That's the gospel. Share it and share your testimony. You have, a, you have a story. If you believe in Jesus, you have a story. Share that. Number two, serve. Find a place. Use your initiative to find a place to serve in the local church. Serve here in Normandale. Use your talents. Use your skills. Use those that you don't have that you want to develop. And number three is Give. Give. And I, I include this one here because there's a call here to be generous with the resources and the skills and the time that you've been given. And often that's money. And I don't, you know, you, I don't talk about money a whole lot in here, but, but if you look at your bank account, the things you spend the most on is where your heart's at. And so if your busy, biggest expenses besides your mortgage is a hobby, is a car, is something related to sports, then where is your heart if nothing is going towards Jesus' mission in this world? Then where's your heart? Is Christ really as important to you as you say he is if there's nothing going out of your account towards his mission in this world? And so here's the call. Don't waste your life. Instead, invest it in Jesus' mission today. So as the band comes up, I'm about to pray. And then after that, we're going to give you just a, a minute to, to stop and to think and to pray to God yourself. And say, God, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to share the gospel with? And how do you want me to serve? Ask God for help, because he'll show you. If you ask him on how to invest your life, he will show you how to invest your life, because that's what he desires you to do. And if you're here, and you have never began a relationship with Jesus, and there's something in this that's compelling, a, like a, a purpose for your life, a mission for your life, say, I want that. I don't have that. There's nothing in this that's drawing me, but like there's something like it's compelling, then you can meet Jesus. You can meet him today. You can know this guy and gain his mission and engage with us. And so just as I shared the gospel a second ago, 
and that we've all rebelled against God, but he sent Jesus to come and be the sacrifice in your place so that if you confess your sins and believe in him, you will gain eternal life. You, if you believe that, pray to him and say, I want your sacrifice to apply to me, and I want to follow you with my life and be a part of what you're doing in the world. That's what you do. And if you have questions, if you want to pray about that, come find me. I'm in this front corner over here. I would love to pray with you. But for the rest of us, here's the question, is where do you need to invest?